Well, welcome everyone. So glad to have you today. I want to start off today by wishing all of our moms a very happy Mother's Day. We're so thankful for you and we want to bless and honor you today. Uh, if you're watching today in a place where your mom is there or there's a mom close by to you, uh, would you just extend your hand, maybe lay hands on them today? And I would just love to pray a blessing uh, over our moms. So Father God, we thank you for our moms. We thank you for the, the blessing and the gift that mothers are to us, Lord. And today I ask that you would cover, that you would protect, that you would encourage, that you would lift up the hearts and the lives of our moms, of our grandmas today, Lord. We pray that they would experience your love and be so surrounded and protected by you today, that they would be spoiled and celebrated, and Lord, that there would just be incredible joy and laughter as we thank our moms for all that they do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to continue our series today entitled Good Fruit. It's a series we kicked off last week, and I'm actually going to, in the midst of this message today, share about one of the special roles that moms play in our lives. Uh, Moms have a lot of unique roles in in all of our lives, but there's something specific that I want to focus in on today, and that's going to come a little bit later in the message. It's something I believe that ties into as part of God's design for us to produce good fruit in our lives and something that we uh, both learn from our moms and then uh, allow moms to actually spur on in our lives. So so we started this series last week, Good Fruit, and it's a study on the passage of uh, a passage in Galatians chapter 5 where Paul writes to the Galatian church uh, about producing the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. And I will read that passage here in just a minute. You can turn your Bibles there if you have them to Galatians chapter 5. And it focused last week and started out by talking about the fact that the Holy Spirit is the one who produces the fruit in our lives. It's The fruit is not ours. We don't have that kind of fruit to produce. And again, we'll read that list here in just a minute. But the focus of last Sunday's message was this, is that the Holy Spirit is the fruit producer and that we need to trust God. We need to trust the Holy Spirit to bring about that fruit production in our lives. And so uh, this is why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. And and Paul writes there in Galatians 5 that we are to walk by the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, walk with the Spirit, and allow Him to produce this fruit in our lives. It starts with walking by the Spirit. It's that's the beginning point of really seeing fruit produced in our lives. And so I'm I'm not going to read the entire passage in Galatians five, uh, but we're going to read verses twenty two through twenty five. And I encourage you to take time read that whole chapter. In fact, the the whole book of Galatians, this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, is not very long. It's in, it's a quick read, and maybe take some time this week to read that that whole letter that he wrote. But Galatians chapter chapter 5, verses 22 through 25. And this is what Paul writes. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 
Since we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us walk with the Spirit. As we walk with the Spirit of God, that this fruit will be produced in our lives. And that fruit being, that list that he gives us, not a comprehensive list by any means. There are a lot of other fruits of the Spirit that can be produced. But he covers a lot of the span, a lot of the the, the scope here with his list. He says love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are characteristics. These are, these are evidences in our lives of the presence and the work of God in our lives. These are evidences that our lives have been rooted in God himself, that we cannot produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In our own strength, we do not have what it takes to produce these things. In fact, I talked about last week how fruit production in our lives, as it, as it is for a fruit tree, really requires the right conditions. The right things have to be presented, present for fruit to be produced. And, and, and it's the same way in our lives. The right things need to be pres- present. The, the conditions need, need to be perfect. They need to be just right for fruit to be produced in your life and in my life. And uh, and the real key to this, the, the, the most important ingredient is the presence of God. It is His Spirit. It is His movement, His, uh, His activity in our lives and our relationship with God that gives rise to that fruit. Apart from Him, we cannot produce fruit. And that's the work of Jesus in bringing us into His kingdom by making us sons and daughters of God, that we're invited into this relationship with God that then allows us to be in a place where fruit can be produced. In fact, Paul uses this picture of the flesh and the spirit, that in the flesh, when we're born into this world, we're born into sin, and and that flesh, that part of us that is worldly, all it knows to do is sin. But it's when we come into relationship with God and where God's spirit really becomes the the driving force in our lives that we now move away from the works of the flesh that are destructive and divisive and and do not bring good goodness and and life that we move from those works of the flesh into the life in the spirit where this pr- fruit is produced in our lives. And so God is the fruit producer. He is the one who brings these things to the surface. He allows these things to be produced in our lives. See, fruit production starts with God, not with us. Fruit production, the production of the the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the growing of the fruit of the Spirit, is it starts with God. It doesn't start with us. He is the source. I know if you guys have seen this, there's there's a fruit a tree called the fruit cocktail tree. It's it's kind of unique and comes in a few varieties. And and essentially what it is, it's one tree that produces four or five different kinds of fruit on the same tree. Uh, now the the fruit has to be of the same family, and so you'll find like a citrus tree that can produce lemons and limes, and oranges, and grapefruit 
all on the same tree. So instead of having to have multiple trees in your yard, you can have one tree that has all of these different kinds of fruit on the same tree. Uh, another variety includes like plums and peaches and apricots all uh, growing on the same tree, maybe even nectarines on the same tree being produced at the same time. In fact, cherries can grow with that that same family of fruit as well. And so you're going to have that one tree in your yard or in your garden that's producing multiple kinds of fruit. And I was thinking about that in that we too are called to produce different kinds of fruit, that we're not just a love tree, that we're not just a patience tree, that we're not, not, not just a goodness tree, that our lives are to produce a variety of fruit. All of these fruit, in fact, need to be produced in our lives. And of course, the, the analogy breaks down because uh, in the case of the fruit cocktail tree, the, tr- the fruit all has to be a part of that same family. And, and we see there's a variety of the fruit of the Spirit. So it's just, just a, a silly analogy, but I think it paints a picture for us. Is that God is saying, I'm calling you to, to have the kind of life that produces a variety of fruit. And really, we are part of the family of God. We're rooted in Him. We're established in Him, which now allows us to be the kind of people that produce these kinds of fruit. And I want to tell you, there's hope in this. Because there's days where you might go, I'm not, I don't feel particularly loving or kind or patient. Or maybe that's even something you've struggled with in your life or throughout your life is, I don't know how to be patient. I just tend to be an impatient person. The great thing is, or whatever, whatever else, whatever other fruit maybe has been a challenge for you, that there's hope that you don't have to just work at producing it, that you can find yourself in Christ and that he will do the work in you as we surrender to him in producing this variety of fruit. But he calls us to walk in step with him. He calls us to be a fruit-producing people. See, Paul lists a variety of fruit, but it is the presence, it is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that produces, that brings about this incredible harvest. And and again, as I mentioned last week, it's the fruit doesn't happen without having the roots go deep, without having a trunk and branches that can support uh, the, the fruit, without having the right nutrients, the right soil. All of these conditions are important. And so there's a lot going on, but God is faithful. He's He's faithful to meet us in his life, in our lives. He's, he's faithful to, to touch our lives, to encourage us, to come alongside of us, to, to, to make known his presence in our lives. And he just simply says, come and walk with me. I do find it interesting that Paul leads with the fruit of love. That's the very first one that he, he mentions in his list here in Galatians chapter 5. He's, he says that the fruit of the Spirit are our love joy, peace, patience. But he starts with love. In fact, it reminded me that there's another passage that Paul, in which Paul writes about love. He talks about love a lot, as do most of the writers in the New Testament. But there's one passage in 1 Corinthians 13 where Paul, in writing to the Corinthian church, talks about the importance of love. And I want to read that for us today. 1 Corinthians chapter First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. And this is what it says. Listen to this carefully. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. 
It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. This famous passage about love that if you've, if you've attended a wedding, you've probably heard this passage. You've been in church any amount of time in your life. You've probably heard a sermon preached on this passage, and rightfully so. This is a critical passage. It's an important passage that, that highlights the importance, really the, the central role that love plays in our lives and in the kingdom of God. But you notice the, the connect here between 1 Corinthians 13 and Galatians 5, where Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. Well, patience is one of the fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5. He says love is kind. The kindness is one of the fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5. He talks about not envying, not boasting, that, that, that love is not prideful, that it doesn't dishonor, it's not self-seeking, and, and he keeps going. What he's saying is that love is in line with all of the fruit of the Spirit, that all of the fruit that we see listed in Galatians 5 are really birthed out of, they come out of this place of love. And so love has a really key role. So I always say this, it's, it's no accident, like in, 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 when we see these lists, the way that things are written in Scripture, the, the order is important. It's no accident that Paul writes that, that the first fruit of the Spirit would be love, because it is such a critical and essential part of the life of the believer and the central role that it plays in the kingdom of God. See, love is not only one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's also the one that really makes the others possible because love allows us to be patient. Love allows us to be kind. To, 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 uh, love allows, allows us to, to, to extend grace to people, uh, to not keep a record of wrongs, to, to, to embrace people uh, when we don't feel like it, when, when our flesh would say, I'll lash out against them, that love would spur us on to do the right thing, to be patient, to be kind, to be forgiving, to, 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 uh, to, to prefer others above ourselves. This is the place that love plays in our lives, and it's such, such a critical thing. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, in fact, the writer John, right, he, he says this, that God is love, that when we encounter love, what we recognize is that we encounter God. Listen to this, church, that when you come face to face with love, when you experience love in your life, what you're really experiencing is God, that, that God and love cannot be separated, that God and love cannot be separated. It is that love is a key part. It's a central part of God's kingdom, of his character, of his work in the world. Remember John three sixteen. Again, John writing, and he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That love is this motivator. It is, the, it is this key component that connects our lives to God and our lives to each other. So when we encounter love, we're really encountering God. In fact, John 1 John 4, 19, a couple of verses later, John writes this. He says, we love because he, God, first loved us. 
We love because God first loved us. In fact, the only way we know, the only reason we know to love is because we have been loved. The only reason that we know what love is is because we have been loved. See, the only reason I would know something is is that I was taught it or I experienced it. See, education tells us about things. It tells us about the world around us. It informs us about the world, uh, gives us facts and information, and we can learn about things, and, and our brains will process that information. But it's when we experience something that we really own it, that it really becomes a part of us. And so everything we know was either taught to us or experienced by us. And it, that is exactly the case when it comes to love. And this is where I want to make this connect back to moms. So moms, this isn't just for you, but I want to honor you. And I want to, I want to unpack something that just really came to light for me as I was uh, thinking about Mother's Day and the fruit of the Spirit. And some, some light bulbs went off for me. Some connections were made. And, and I hope this blesses you. And I hope we all grow as we hear what God's heart would, would want to say to us today. So there's this key role that moms play in our lives, especially in regard to the fruit of the Spirit. And there's so much that we can and should be thankful for, for the things that moms do in our lives and the ways that they take care of us, the way that they, uh, they nurture and protect and provide. And there's all kinds of things, the, the incredible amount of hours and work and tears that moms put into caring uh, for their children, for their homes. Um, but I want to go back really to the very first moments of life, to the very first moments of our lives. For every one of us, we, we all share this in our experience, that we were conceived, that we grew in our mother's wombs, we developed over a period of months, and at just the right time that our moms went into labor and we were brought into this world, we were birthed into this world. See, there's something that moms provide for us that moms you might not even be aware of, and and that's what I want to highlight today. See, in the womb, we were absolutely cared for. That when you are in the womb, you are cared for, you are protected, you're fed, you're safe, and there's this incredible, uh, prote- this this incredible covering that happens in the womb. In fact, uh, I was talking to to a friend of mine this week who was reminding me. He was saying, you know, the that. The, the womb is this place where we experience the kingdom of God. It's this, this thing that we long for to be, our, our whole being longs to be in this place of safety and protection and comfort. And it's this perfect environment that God has designed where we would grow and develop and form uh, and then be birthed into this world. In fact, the picture here is that of the seed that is planted, that we begin as something that is microscopic, and then we begin to grow, not unlike a plant, except that we have the breath of God, the breath of life in our lungs. But then we're born into this world, and we experience right away, after the trauma of childbirth, we experience right away the touch and the affection of a mother's love. In fact, it's the very first thing that we would experience in this world. And uh, as I got to witness the birth of my four children 
it was so amazing to watch as the nurses and the doctor would take our children, each one of them as they were born, and they would take them from uh, from the the womb as they were as they were birthed, and they they were cleaned and and uh, and wiped down, and we cut the umbilical cord, and then the nurse would take that baby and lay it on Megan's chest. That the very first point of contact, that first nurture, that first point of love and care was on the mother's breast, on that in that place of intimacy and closeness, and and so for all of us, this becomes the the first point of the experience of the love of God as we're birthed into this world, this first touch point of love in our lives. Now listen, dads are important too, and, and like I said, I got to be there and be a part of the, you know, watching my children being born into this world, and we'll talk more about dads, but that's for another day. Um, but there is something so special and so God-ordained and so amazing about the mother's role and the way that God has designed moms to, uh, to both be able to, to carry a child in their womb and then birth them into this world and then to have that first point of connect, that, that first point of intimacy, that first experience of love. Think about this for a second with me. A pregnancy and childbirth, that pregnancy and childbirth are not just God's plan for procreation. That God didn't design pregnancy and childbirth as something just as a practical way to populate the planet. That there's so much more, and this is, I love this about God, that he, he moves in ways that are beyond what we understand. And there's always a, another reason behind the what, the, the why behind the what. It's so layered and it's so involved. And, and when we try and understand all of these facets, really it, it just kind of bends our minds because God is so amazing. See, pregnancy and childbirth were not just God's plan for procreation. See, it's also a part of God's plan of expressing, his way of expressing and allowing us to experience him, his love, at the very first moments of our lives on this planet. See, because God is love, right? We just read that. John wrote that. God is love. And so when we experience love in this world, when we are loving to each other, when we walk in a loving manner, when we show God's love to each other, what people are experiencing isn't just us. They're experiencing God. But here at the very first, our first moment, our first breaths being drawn into our lungs as we're born into this world, one of the very first things that we experience is the love of a mother for her child, for that baby. And in that, we experience the love of God. So we experience God by way of our mothers at the very first moments of our lives. It gets even better, though. Because in John chapter 3, verse 3, John records Jesus saying these words. He says this, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Again, no coincidences in Scripture. 
It is to no coincidence, no accident, that Jesus compares new life in God's kingdom to this moment of being born into the world. In fact, Jesus' encounter here in John chapter 3, Nicodemus is there, and he starts asking Jesus, he's saying, you, you're saying you've got to go back into your mother's womb, which sounds as ridiculous as it is. And so Jesus begins to explain to him that we are born twice. We're born uh, from water into this world, but then we're born, he says, of the Spirit. So we're born of water and we're born of the Spirit. We're born into this world where we experience the love of God and the presence of God and the touch of God through our mothers. But then when we say yes to Jesus, when we give our lives to him, we're born again, and this time it is by the Spirit of God, and now we experience directly the love of God as the love of Jesus is poured into our lives, and the power of the Holy Spirit seals that in our lives. And here's what's so amazing is, it's not something that would be unfamiliar Maybe in your own salvation story, you can, you can attest to this, that there's something about that moment when we give our lives to Jesus that it just feels right. Maybe even physically, you had a sensation where you felt wrapped or warm or, or God's arms wrapped around you. That place of safety that our, our hearts long for, that place of, of protection, even as we experience. We, I don't remember being in the womb. You don't remember. It's beyond what we can remember in our co uh, cognitive memory, but our precognitive, our, uh, just built into our very DNA is this need to be safe and protected. And when we are born of the Spirit, we're born into God's kingdom, we experience this love of God but it's not unfamiliar to us because it's been something that's been present throughout our lives from that very first moment. I don't know about you, but I just, as the more I thought about this, I just marveled at God's love, about God's plan, about God's design, that, that, that God would go to such lengths to express his love to us. And we become established as his children, that we're born into his kingdom, that we're born into this world, and then we're born into his kingdom. And he loves us, and he cares for us, and he nurtures us. We become rooted in him and ready, because of his love in our lives, to produce fruit. God's love is absolutely amazing. So I want to say a special thank you to moms. Maybe you've never been thanked for, thanked for this before, but thank you for showing us God's love. Thank you for being that, that, that very first person to show God's love to us before we could even re speak or talk or, 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 or take care of ourselves or express ourselves. There's just very little we could do in those moments. You cared for us and you showed God's love. You allowed us to experience the presence of God through your love. Thank you. Thank you. God has used you in ways that you cannot even imagine. I want to encourage you. Maybe some of your moms are feeling discouraged. Maybe you feel like, oh, I don't know, I've, done, I've done a good job as a mom. I want to tell you that God has used you in ways that you cannot imagine. And just by virtue of the fact that you have shown love, that you have shown the presence of God and this fruit of the Spirit, 
that, that we, that all of us that have been birthed into this world, which is all of us, have had that touch point. Thank you. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for, for loving us so well. We honor you and we bless you today. I want to encourage you today, if you're listening to this message and uh, you're saying, you know what, I've, I've not experienced that second birth, Pastor Barry. I've not said yes to Jesus. I want to give you the opportunity to say yes to him today. Maybe there's something resonating deep in your soul today saying, I have this feeling, I know what you're talking about. I, this, this love that you're talking about, it just, it's just kind of been there, just kind of been present in my heart and in my mind. It's the love of God that has followed you throughout your life. And today he would invite you to say yes to him, to surrender your life to him and to be birthed by his spirit into a new life, a new life in his kingdom. If that's you, I just, would you pray this prayer? Would you say yes to Jesus? And would you pray this prayer with me right now? Just, pray, just repeat these words. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your love. Thank you for loving me from the very moment that I entered this world. Thank you that your love has followed me everywhere I've gone in everything that I've done. And today I commit my life to you. I surrender my life and I give my life to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I commit to turn and follow you. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All heaven is celebrating right now. Would you tell someone, if you, if you made that decision, would you let someone know right now, I just said yes to Jesus and, and we want to celebrate with you. If that is you, if you didn't make that decision today, would you please fill out a connect card and let us know. You can click that link right above or send us an email at prayer at thriveglendora.org and we would love to follow up with you and celebrate with you. Moms, I want to bless you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pray that you are spoiled rotten today, that you are taken care of, that you are celebrated today, and not just today. Every single day, we honor you, we thank you, we bless you. Pray that you all have an amazing day, an amazing week. We look forward to seeing you next time.